Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. In this episode of Research Roundup, we continue our conversation with Professor John Emery and Professor Michael Jefford about their Lancet series, which focused on cancer survivorship. So between management of clinical issues and and models of survivorship care, how do you think improvements for cancer survivors can be sustainably implemented into general practice? So I think there are some fundamental issues in terms of how we alter systems so that models of shared care become the routine for a lot of cancer survivors. That requires, again, some thinking about uh, changing the way that general practice thinks about people uh, and their management of cancer as a, using more of a chronic disease model. We need to be thinking about structured models of care similar to the way we think about structured models of diabetes follow-up, so that there are standard visits where a cancer survivor has their cancer-specific issues covered in a particular consultation in general practice. At the moment, I think uh, cancer survivors, they they are having regular visits with their GP, but those visits uh, are often about other uh, medical uh, issues um, because often cancer survivors will have additional long-term conditions as well. And so their cancer doesn't get a, a specific focus. Whereas their diabetes, they will have regular structured visits to think about their diabetes. So there's a sort of structural shift in the way we think about cancer care in primary care so that that we we need to sort of be developing where time is set aside for specific consultations in these shared care models uh, where the GP and maybe the practice nurse uh, actually have specific visits to consider their broader cancer survivorship issues. We then need to think about, well, what are the what are the ways that might support that? Uh, some of it comes back to the issues that we were talking about, uh, information and communication, uh, both between the oncology services and the patient that makes it clear that this is part of their uh, the expected models of care and a clear role for general practice. We need to be thinking about whether there are uh, Medicare um, funding models that, again, can support this new way of thinking about care of cancer as a chronic disease and be thinking about um, uh, if there are um, uh, ways that we can use existing Medicare items or whether we actually need to be thinking about additional ways of funding uh, cancer survivorship in primary care to support the implementation of these uh, new patterns of care. So I'll just add a couple of comments to John's thoughts. Um, You know, I would strongly agree with uh, everything you've said. I think that we do need to think about um, policy and at the moment we're uh, developing the Australian Cancer Plan and I hope that that will um, be strongly supportive of care in the community and a greater role for uh, general practice through the whole cancer journey, including in the post-treatment survivorship phase. So uh, we do want to see that in the Australian Cancer Plan there's certainly in other state and territory cancer plans, then there's also some discussion about uh, greater use of shared care and um, more care in the community. We do need to make sure that we're, we're providing 
um, GPs and practice nurses with the information and support that they need to be able to uh, have a greater role in cancer survivorship. Um, and I, one thing that the Australian Cancer Survivorship Centre is doing at the moment is to try and support uh, a generic sort of uh, cancer survivorship policy to be implemented at hospital levels. Uh, and that discusses different models of care and care in the community in a greater role for general practice. So we're hoping that, that will, uh, those sort of incremental changes will uh, support um, more widespread adoption of uh, shared care. The other thing I'd probably just add is that it, of course, doesn't begin at the end of treatment. So we need to think about more effective coordination, communication and shared management from the time of diagnosis on. Michael, so then thinking about some of those things that you've just mentioned, are there any key learnings that we can take from what's happening internationally with survivorship research? I think uh, absolutely in terms of both research and in service delivery and usual clinical care. We always want to look to what other people are doing, uh, whether that's in Australia or internationally. And in the, uh, in the series for The Lancet, you know, we've got involvement from people across the world and we discuss models across the globe as well, um, recognising that survivorship is very much impacted by you know, with the healthcare system and health health arrangements health funding uh, across the world so uh, it's important for us to see well what's relevant to uh, practice in australia and that's true too of the the research setting Um, so in the first paper we talk about the management of common issues and guidance that uh, in terms of guidance from peak international groups like the american society of clinical oncology um, the nccn and others so we do look to uh, international groups and, you know, I think that for the management of common issues, the management of uh, fatigue and fear of cancer recurrence and pain and lymphedema, we don't need necessarily Australian evidence. We need to draw on the international evidence. So through COSA, we've recently done some work to establish um, research priorities in cancer survivorship. And this is work that really looked to um, previous work that had been done internationally. Uh, in terms of international research prioritisation activities, uh, such as has been done in Canada and Japan, but also looking at identified gaps in uh, research activity and research outputs that have come from, for example, the US. Uh, And so that work has been published um, this year in uh, Supportive Care and Cancer. It's also available on the COSA website. And that's really relevant to, to us for identifying priorities Uh, in terms of, say, psychological issues, uh, physical issues that we need to prioritise, but also priority groups, um, in particular patient populations, and also uh, thinking about health systems, um, what would be the research priorities there. And that'll be very relevant uh, for us going forward as researchers, but also as funders. Is there anything you'd like to add to that from from the primary care perspective? Thank you, Christy, yes. So I think there's some nice synergies there with some work that PC4, um, again, is about to publish around uh, research priorities, but from a primary care perspective. And uh, and I think a lot of um, priorities that we identified in terms of survivorship and that phase of the continuum of care relate to similar issues that COSA identified. But then, again, I think we have a specific interest in how best do we actually implement existing evidence around models of care that better engage the primary care workforce uh, as a key 
a research priority uh, around the implementation of existing uh, best practice models. Sticking with, I suppose, that idea of research priorities, I'm interested in what your personal survivorship research looks like today. What are you both focused on? Maybe John first? Well, Michael and I are continuing to um, conduct work around shared care models and we we have an existing um, trial uh, around a shared care model of colorectal cancer that builds on our previous pro-care work. And I might let Michael say a little bit more about that. We're um, within our primary care group. Uh, we're also um, using some of our linked data to look just at what current, current patterns of Australian survivorship care look like. And with specific interests in issues such as how uh, comorbidities are managed uh, in primary care, um, uh, with concerns around whether or not having a cancer diagnosis, how that affects your management of other chronic conditions such as diabetes, hypertension and cardiovascular disease. And we're using some of our large primary care linked data, care, uh, linked data sets to examine uh, some of those patterns of care to inform future interventional work. Yeah, so John and I partner on the SCORE study, the Shared Care for Colorectal Survivors, but of course, Professor Ray Chan is uh, leading, uh, from PC4 also, is leading a number of studies looking at shared care uh, for people with different cancer types. And John and I are pleased to collaborate with Ray on a number of those studies. John and I also collaborate on uh, some work that's looking at variation in outcomes for cancer survivors and trying to understand what drives variation because what we're really hoping for is that we see uh, more equitable uh, care and more equitable cancer, cancer survivorship outcomes. Uh, so that's some, I think, really important work and hoping that that might leverage some uh, further research funding. We're also interested too in, uh, we know that there are some emerging survivor populations and particularly trying to understand what are the unique issues for these emerging groups and particularly thinking about people who are doing very well with newer therapies like immune treatments, so immunotherapy and targeted therapies, where we really don't know what the, um, the late and long-term side effects might be. So we do need to continue to focus there. And I guess also in partnership with a number of other people, uh, trying to work on improved management of common survivorship-related symptoms that could include fatigue, sleep problems, more routinely implementing interventions like to deal with fear of cancer recurrence, dealing with menopausal symptoms, and again, thinking about how we can scale uh, these interventions uh, so that we get them to the very large number of survivors who have these as common issues. I'd like to throw in what I'm going to call a bonus question before we get to the, the last question of, of the podcast, because I've been listening to your responses and throughout them, I've heard peppered a lot of words like collaboration, multidisciplinary and partnership. And a lot of our listeners, um, early career researchers or mid-career researchers, and I don't want to miss the opportunity to ask two senior people if you've got any wisdom or advice to share with, with our listeners around how you maybe have gone about picking the right partner or identifying your collaborations and making those meaningful relationships work for your research? Kick us off, John. I think one of the most important things when you're developing collaborations is finding people you actually like working with because that, you know, that's key to developing a respectful and effective working relationship and 
respecting each other's perspectives. Uh, that, that's part of the multidisciplinary nature of collaboration is that we bring slightly different views to a particular clinical research question and different understandings of the way the health system operates as well, but recognising that uh, we, we have our own strengths uh, and expertise. Those are probably the key things. Uh, within a few meetings, you will start to realise whether or not the person that you're looking to collaborate with meets some of those criteria. You find the right people early on, but it doesn't always work. You will find that there are some people who you don't wish to carry on collaboration because they don't necessarily meet those criteria. But eventually you will find a core group of people who you really like working with, who uh, respectfully work together really effectively and you actually enjoy their company. Anything for you to add, Michael? What John said was lovely and I would strongly agree with it. And it is about um, respectful relationships but you get stimulated by working with people who you go wow I wouldn't have thought like that and and they're great partnerships you are surprised and stimulated by the people who you work with that probably comes by working with multidisciplinary teams you know when you work with people who who come with different perspectives and uh, different experience then you're likely to be stimulated and come up with great ideas and and that's why it's nice to work with uh, you know across professional groups, you know, medical nursing, allied health, but across sectors, whether it's in oncology and uh, community and primary care, but and also including the perspectives of consumers, non-government organisations, government partners, you know, everyone comes with different perspectives and, you know, it's fantastic to have them all working together in a team. Thank you. They're both great pieces of advice. Our last question is always about what's next. And I remember when the US president, well, then vice president, visited the Victorian Comprehensive Cancer Centre and discussed the cancer moonshot. And this year they've renewed it. They've got a 2022 renewal of the moonshot and it includes a vision to improve the experience of people and their families living with and surviving cancer. So I wanted to know what's your moonshot goal for cancer survivorship? Go big or go home? I guess I, I, I would say that we're continuing on the the goal of better care and better outcomes for cancer survivors and a sustainable affordable model of care and and that's what we're working toward so we need to do more on understanding the issues that survivors carers have because otherwise how do we know that we're addressing their needs and responding to them we absolutely need to implement uh, different models of care and we've discussed previously that there's good evidence that other models are at least as effective and in many in many areas more effective, cheaper, more sustainable, and that better utilises the workforce. And absolutely, we need to be able to measure a comprehensive set of survivorship outcomes. You know, at the moment, we have very little data. We've done some work on um, developing a quality framework and the outcomes that... Um, People prioritise aren't necessarily survival rates or recurrence rates, but they actually include patient reported outcomes, including quality of life, functional return, patient experience. So I think that that's what I'm aiming for, demonstrable improvements in outcomes for people affected by cancer and a system that is sustainable and will go forward and be affordable. John? So I'm going to start actually before the diagnosis 
and actually that we need to be looking at ways we can detect cancer much earlier so that the consequences of a cancer diagnosis and its treatment and the long-term consequences from a survivorship point of view are minimised so that you require less in intensive treatment and, and also that we have treatments that result in fewer long-term consequences. So that the survivorship experience is in some way a more positive experience and that the longer-term consequences of having a cancer diagnosis are reduced. That said, that's a long-term view. There will continue to be a growing number of people diagnosed with cancer and who experience quite, you know, a lot of treatment and the consequences of those treatments from a physical and a psychosocial point of view. We therefore need to be implementing the best evidence to support all those different consequences of cancer treatment. That involves properly involving all the aspects of our healthcare system so that we maximise the quality of care that a cancer survivor receives in a more integrated way that actually delivers on reducing the unmet needs that we know many cancer survivors currently experience. Can I add to what you just said, John, and uh, I'd strongly support the, the notion that um, the earlier we think about survivorship, I guess, you know, that could be um, before diagnosis, at diagnosis and through treatment. And, you know, I, I guess that fertility preservation is a perhaps an example, it's too late to think about it um, when treatment's finished. We need to think about it early. But that's probably true of the whole of prehabilitation. You know, if we maximise people's well-being and function uh, prior to treatment or during treatment, then people will have much better outcomes. So survivorship interventions don't begin when people complete treatment, but they need to be thought of at the time of diagnosis and through treatment. And we haven't discussed prehab, but maybe that'll be another podcast. But, um, you know, if we think about that as a concept that, you know, how can we keep people well and, and prevent the sorts of issues that we've discussed, then we should be aiming to do that as early as possible. Wonderful. Oh, thank you both so much for sharing your perspectives today, John and Michael. Thanks, Christy. A pleasure. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg and there's also our website which is pc4tg.com.au.